Sentinels of Freedom is a national nonprofit organization that supports severely wounded post 9-11 veterans complete their higher education with its Bridge for Education scholarships. Veterans receive comprehensive personalized support, financial assistance, financial planning, and mentoring to achieve success in their post-military careers. We treat this as an investment, not a charity. What they'll bring to communities and the economy across our nation in their after-service careers is an invaluable fact and our return on investment. Our donors can take great pride in the fact that they are helping these veterans who served our nation honorably and sacrificed so much to reach their objective of self-sufficient lives. Now, here's Mike Conklin, the founder, chairman, and CEO of Sentinels of Freedom Scholarship Foundation. Good afternoon. This is Mike Conklin, chairman of Sentinels of Freedom. I'm glad you're on online listening to us today. I hope you'll share this with your friends. This is some of the amazing stories of our post-9-11 veterans who have graduated our Bridge to Education program. Our mission in this is to get these stories out and help inspire people to become involved in supporting the military and supporting our veterans, uh, which is very important to our national security and bottom line, our quality of life. Today's uh, veteran is Brian. He is Army Sergeant E6, served six years and injured in Iraq and went off, came back, but I guess I could say stumbled a little bit here and there, but then you got focused and here you are today about to take your bar exam in California and Texas, I understand. So that's the goal. Yeah. So and a family man and right off the bat, we're very proud of your successes and bring us up to speed on kind of a, a little bit about your transition home, maybe some of the stuff that you experienced that you got through. And then you all of a sudden the light bulb came on and you clicked and said, this is what I'm going to do. And here you are today. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. First, I just want to say thank you uh, to you for having me on and, and for leading the way on all of this. I'd like to thank everybody at Sentinels that's uh, done so much for me over the past three years. Uh, Carol Prell, Samantha Chapman, Havila McMeans. Without all of you, this would have been impossible. And I also want to thank the generosity of the donors because without them, this wouldn't have been possible either. And so I'm truly grateful uh, from the bottom of my heart. We say back to you, you're worth it. You're worth the investment. You've proved it. And so the things you'll do in, in your life here on after, obviously, you're going to be helping people. And that's our return on investment. So you're worth it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So in terms of the, the transition home, like you said, I spent six years in the Army. I joined at 19. And this was in early 2000. Right. I had uh, no idea what I was getting myself into. I dropped out of college. Mm -hmm. I had quit my job. I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought, well, why don't I just talk to the Army? And so they uh, had me take the ASVAB. I scored fairly well on that. But when they asked me what job I wanted to do, I said, well, which one has the highest signing bonus? Mm -hmm. and <laughs> okay. That was the wrong question to ask. But so they told me it was field artillery and it was $18,000 cash bonus for six years. And at 19 years old, that sounded like all the money in the world. So 
I asked them, well, what is field artillery like? And they said, do you like camping? And I said, I love camping. And they said, it's just like camping. And so before I knew it, I was signing a contract for six years. I came home. I told my mom, she said, what if we go to war? And I said, we haven't been to war in 10 years. The last war was Desert Storm. And sure enough, tragedy struck the following year and everything changed. I did deploy to Southeast Baghdad from March of 2004 to March 2005. I was not physically injured like many of the Sentinels who have been on the podcast thus far. I've listened to all of them. Their stories are so compelling and so amazing. We had a minor TBI, as I understand. That's a, one of the invisible wounds. Depression, yeah. PTS, that's invisible wounds from your experience. And they're, I mean, they're real. And it takes time to realize it, get treatment and move forward. The transition part, we're very involved in a couple of new initiatives nationwide. And it always comes back to transition. And I was just in a meeting in Washington, D.C. And uh, we spent you know, basically a couple of days in a tank talking about this. And so I had a couple of questions that I'm going to, I'm going to ask you. One of them is when you came home, how much money did you have in your pocket? Uh, how much time much did you save? I hadn't saved hardly anything uh, while I was deployed. Uh, just my thought process while I was over there was this money is not going to do me any good if I don't go home. It was, that was the scary proposition. And so I, I spent uh, way too freely while I was over there uh, on comfort things, you know, uh, whenever opportunity presented itself. And so I didn't home with. Right. And that's the majority um, of enlisted. Um, And even some of the officers, did you, when you came home, you took a tap class, I would imagine, or maybe not transition assistance program that the army had started to institute. It may have been not as broad back then. Do you remember taking that course? It's usually about a day or or four hours. It it was, I believe it was a a single day that they touched on how to write a resume and how to present yourself at a job interview. Okay. Uh, very basic. Right, right. Okay. The other one is, did you, did, when you got home, did you visit a veteran service office and an EDD office and sign up for unemployment, which you earned and which was uh, there for you? Yes. That was actually something they, they covered in that one day also was uh, not the VSO part, but to reach out to the unemployment department in whatever state you were from in California, CD to request unemployment. And I did right. that. Great. 26 weeks. I think mm-hmm. they cover you for it. Do you remember the amount? Oh, this was 2006. It was quite low. 300, 300 bucks, something like that. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. So it turns out that only about 50% of, so 200,000 come out of the military every year. And at the end of that 200, about 80,000, 60 to 80,000 are army. And only about 50% of them take advantage of the EDD. And I think it's because there's a stigma. I, listen, I'm a soldier. I, I've served my nation. I, I don't want to go stand in line with a bunch of people. So we're trying to work on a way to get that streamlined. And it might come in the form of a debit card um, that's charged up every month for that period. So you don't have to go stand in line. It's done 
way back at the beginning, at the trans 180 days, 200 days, maybe six months before you get out. All those things are what we're trying to talk about. And so your story is on that side, the transition side, fighting. Was it difficult to find cohesive transition support? And there's a thousand, that's the 30,000 groups out there. I mean, you found us. Uh, but did you find it difficult um, to to get somebody to really sit down and talk to you about your future? In the early years after getting out of the military, I felt like I didn't have any support. Right. But at, at that point, I came home. I thought I was totally fine. My whole family, my friends, they were all telling me, there's something off about you. You really should go talk to somebody. And as you just mentioned regarding stigmas, such a huge stigma, even still around mental health. And mm -hmm. I refused to believe that there was anything wrong with me. I thought everybody else had changed while I was gone. And so I didn't reach out for help for about five years after getting out. And during that time, I had anger issues and I had issues with relationships. I had issues employment issues. I can't even tell you. I had over a dozen jobs probably within the first seven years after I got out of the military. Mm -hmm. And so when I finally reached out for help in 2011 uh, to the VA, it was impossible, at least for me at that point, mm -hmm. it was impossible. I would call the 800 number. And it would, I'd follow their prompts. It would direct me from one person to another. And that person would say, oh no, you have to talk to this person. And and then in the end, it would cycle me back to the original prompt at the beginning of the call from the automated machine. And sure enough, me, yeah. I was just so frustrated. I said, they obviously don't care either. So I don't know. I'm just not yeah. doing anything. Yeah. I, frustrating and debilitating. Yes. Uh, finally, though, uh, I went to a, a county veteran services office in, in Contra Costa at the time. And... I asked to speak with a psychologist there and he was my first interaction with approaching my mental health issues. And he directed me to the correct people at the VA and I was able to finally submit a disability claim, uh, which although at that time still took almost three years to get a decision after that, I was able to get VA healthcare. But I still, I struggled mightily for years and everything suffered in, in the process and things had degraded to such a point that, I mean, just four years ago, I was living in a tent. It wasn't for long, but it was definitely more than a month. And it was sobering that life had gotten to that point. And I had done a six month inpatient PTSD program, at the VA and Martinez Dr. Kixmiller, who actually was who put me in touch with you. And so that was wonderful. Uh, and, and so anyhow, that program really helped me. And then the VA also got, got me placed in a transitional housing program for homeless veterans. And it was a requirement while there that you either had to get a job or you had to go back to school. And I hadn't, I hadn't like thought about doing any of those things. And so I decided I would finish school and I finished school. I applied to, or I applied for chapter 31 educational benefits, the VRNE. It used to be Voc Rehab. Now it's called something else, but it has the mm -hmm. same initial. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was accepted into that and they agreed to pay for me to go to law school. And 
So that's kind of how I found my way uh, through yeah. that transition and going from living in a tent to graduating law school within yeah. that period. So now the bar exam, are you, are you getting enough support on the prep for the bar exam? Is there anything we can do to help you there? I certainly appreciate it. I think y'all have helped me more than you'll ever know. It's the prep. The VA paid for one of the major bar prep programs for me, Barbary, which is quite expensive. And it's, that's a whole separate story, but it's quite unfair how expensive these prep well, programs yeah, are. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. You're forced to take this, what feels like an arbitrary test. And if you don't have the money to pay for these things, your odds right. of passing that test are, are not as great as that. Uh, well, candidate. keep me posted on that. And then your future, Brian, you're looking at working in, in the, uh, well, the social service space, I would guess the legal social service space. Is that, am I understanding that right? You want to represent veterans and disadvantaged and things like that. Is that kind of the, the swim lane you're thinking about going into? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. I, during my second year of law school, um, I spent the year working uh, for my school's homeless advocacy clinic where we would provide legal services such as applying for public assistance, applying for public benefits, criminal record expungements, credit repair, things of that nature to sure. the unhoused population, which is just growing so significantly here in Sacramento. That was a great experience. And then I did two internships with the Sacramento County Public Defender's Office. And I, that, I gained a lot of great experience there in terms of plea bargaining with the district attorney clients. That was great. So, yeah. And then I got a concentration in law school in trial and appellate advocacy. And so nice. that's where my opinion is. It's in the courtroom. As you can tell from my background, although people listening to the podcast can't see it, so log on to the Sentinels YouTube channel, shameless yeah. plug right there. And yes, my hope is to work in a county veterans treatment court, particularly here in Sacramento. I was approached about it during my second internship with the public defender's office last, or yeah, in the fall of 2022. And the gentleman who approached me about it had mentioned that they needed some people like myself in those positions because their clients, veterans who are experiencing mental health issues, who are experiencing criminal uh, justice issues, who are experiencing a variety of issues that just the average attorney is not going to completely be able to relate to them. Sure. It's not, it's not their special. Yeah. So right. we, we have a, we have another gentleman I'm going to push you in touch with. He was the first federal appellate court judge appointed by Reagan for veterans affairs. Judge Jack Farley in Washington, DC. He's retired now. Great friend of ours, been a great supporter. I see him often back there in the DC. He's a single leg amputee from the Vietnam war and came back, went to school on the GI bill, got his law degree and just kept going, but he knows that appellate court system, at least the federal side very well. And he of course knows the veteran space. And I think he might be a, a good guy for you to talk to bounce ideas on and things like that. So we help you get through a, a period of time, but we never really stop. You always can call us and say, anybody here, there, whatever. We know the, the state VA pretty well. 
and we have some good folks in the SAC area. So kind of building, helping you build your network is, we love doing that. So I, I think that, I mean, your story, of course, is, is along with all the rest of our Sentinels that have done podcasts and some of them they're about to, is inspiring in all different ways. Some of them are in medical, some are in law, some of them are in marketing. And they all had a vision at some point where, like I say, the light bulb came on. Some right after they got out. A lot of them, like you, took about five years to, to get the, the direction that you needed. And you did that yourself. We didn't do that for you. You did that set yourself, motivation, drive, and leveraging on your experiences. We may have helped a little bit walking at your side, but you did all the heavy lifting. So, and then helping other veterans and other people, we see that as a constant theme across the spectrum of all the different sentinels. I think it's 85% of them are involved in some sort of volunteer work. And you'd say, well, God, these guys have been through a lot. They don't have to do that. They've already, they've done enough. But they continue to do it. And our slogan here is veterans never stop serving our nation. And you're certainly a fine example of that, as with all the other Sentinels. And we, we wish you well and in your future and, and want you to stay in contact. If I get up to Sacramento, I'll bang on your door. And, and we love watching your progress. It's really amazing. So... Um, we're going to sign off. I'll talk to you a little bit after the podcast, but thank you for serving our, our nation. And in a, uh, the ultimate benefit to our citizens is our quality of life, our freedom. And you are one of the one percenters that stood up, volunteered to do this. So it's not a small thing. It's a big thing and it needs to be respected by all citizens. And so those out there listening, stay involved. And if you see a veteran that needs help, there's plenty of organizations, but it does take some talking to, spending some time with them, offering them some advice. They don't really want a handout. They don't want charity. They just want a fair shot at opportunity. And we believe that, of course, that is starts with education post-service. The transition period is very difficult. It's difficult to navigate, and that's where a lot of our veterans get lost. But they have such huge potential um, back in our communities that we don't want to see one of them get lost and we don't want to see one of them go through what you did for five years trying to just think if we had found you the year you got out what we could have done so but those that five years those experiences now you can relate much better to other people so maybe you know that's that was your calling so to speak so again very proud of you Brian thank you for coming on today And this is Mike Conklin and Brian signing off. Thank you. It's Mike.